Today's episode of the Mask Man Show is brought to you by Bose. As the official sound of the NFL, Bose gets players closer to their peak performance and gets you closer to them. How? With powerful products like their Quiet Comfort 35 wireless headphones. These are Bose's best headphones yet. No noise, no wires, just your music and you. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Today's episode of Channel 33 is brought to you by SeatGeek. The presenting sponsor for my podcast, as well as the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. With just two taps on your phone, you can instantly buy SeatGeek tickets to an event, and you can enter that event just using your phone. No paper tickets. Drop your old ticket app. Use one that's built for 2016. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And now, without further ado, here is the masked man, David Shoemaker. Welcome to the Mask Man Show. I've got a very special guest to kick things off this week. Uh, doing my WWE year-end awards, and I wasn't quite sure who to put on for Rookie of the Year, but I found my man. He's on the phone with me right now, my old friend, Peter Rosenberg. How you doing, Rosenberg? <laughs> what an honor. I'm so happy to pick up pick up this Maskey award. <laughs> the Maskies are very prestigious. I don't know. I don't know if you're aware of them. Um, listen, man, uh, the 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 wrestling world it went nuts on Sunday. There was a lot of big action at TLC. But the most important thing for me is your as your buddy was that you were uh, you were on the on the pre-show and and uh, and, and mid-show right panel. How 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 did that even happen? Oh man, um, I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's happened over the last ten years uh, that you've been a part of much of it, watching me sort of uh, schmooze my way around. But um, I've been talking to them for a while, like maybe since WrestleMania, about different stuff. And then I don't know. A few weeks ago, they called me and said, "We want to try this thing. Do you, are you interested?" And I said, "I'm very interested." And uh, in my mind, I thought, "Well, I wonder if this would compromise." the credibility of my podcast and then as you know very well i said <laughs> i don't care about the credibility of my podcast <laughs> so of course i did it and uh it was a lot of fun man it was so cool well i mean I, I, the first the first question that i have to ask is how much heat was there really between you and booker t when uh when he when he was calling you a mark on camera or, or even before that i'm confused here i, I thought your name was peter not yeah. mark um, no heat whatsoever. He was it, he was giving me like the most friendly. He he gave me the most friendly ribbing all day. Um, there's a there's a locker room for broadcasters, um, and Booker was obviously in it. And I pulled the classic wrestling rookie move of putting my bag on Booker's chair. Oh no! So. Yeah, so I already was getting ripped from the second I showed up. And he's like, man, I can't believe it. This guy put his bag on, on my bag. Yo, he talked about it. He was talking to Moro about it for 10 minutes. He was like, could you believe he did this? I, I'm a, I don't understand. And, you know, he was being hilarious. And he just kept going. And in our, in our uh, rehearsal, he was busting my chops for that. And then when he said that line during the actual, <laughs> during the actual show, it was hilarious. I didn't really know how to react to it, so I tried to sort of laugh it off and plow through, but I, I thought it was pretty funny. He's an, he's an awesome dude, and unknown fact about Booker, he is the last man who still rides a um, hoverboard everywhere. No. 
Yes, he is the man flies on a hoverboard backstage at WWE all, all day. Well, I mean, I, I got to give him credit. There's probably a lot of uh, retired wrestlers that could use that sort of that sort of transportation assistance. Um, that's that's really <laughs> and many funny. wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Um. So so you so you're in the locker room with with all the broadcasters. You, you texted me at one point during the show uh, to tell me which bizarre crew of wrestlers and, and ex wrestlers you were watching the show with backstage. What? Were, do you have any other any specific stories that you're allowed to tell on uh, on the Masked Man show? You know, I have no idea what I'm allowed to tell. So I guess I'll be mindful. But um. Uh. You know, it, it was very, it was it was totally surreal for like it was like the ultimate, you know, fans' experience. Like you know, and that was sort of the role they had me in. Was like you're the fan, and it's funny because I really had like the experience of a fan. Like I, I saw Gorilla, which was crazy. I talked to Road Dog and Triple H there. You know, like it was it was crazy. It was crazy just walking around and doing rehearsals. So when you're doing rehearsals, obviously, it's a few hours before the show, so. Within the arena, all kinds of things are happening a few hours before the show. And you're, I'm just sitting there watching like, oh, wow, I'm just allowed to be here. I'm not like someone's friend. I'm like supposed to be here. Um, and, uh, you know, the, and then I, I will tell you, my biggest regret is I did not talk to Ellsworth at all. And I saw him a bunch, but like never had the chance to sort of just go up and chat with him. And I was sort of curious to see what kind of like what his deal is. He would have been that guy who's like hitting you up on text message ten years from now, trying to like try trying to get some like show tickets or something. It might be he might be better off. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you, um, uh, Simon Gotch mm-hmm. is is um, is very seems very true to his character. Oh, okay. He's an interesting he's an interesting gentleman. He's an interesting gentleman. That Simon Gotch had a really nice chat with him. And really friendly and nice guy, but definitely a diff- different kind of dude. Yeah, I mean, he was working that gimmick on the Indies, basically. So, like, like this was this was not something that somebody slapped on him. This was a life choice for the guy. Yeah, no, it was, he he was cool though, and uh, honestly, everyone was really cool. Everyone was super nice, super uh, respectful, and you know, seemed to dig me being around. And uh, I was just so psyched to be there, and I just wanted to like not mess up. You know, I wanted to like go up there and. And be me, um, but while interacting in the WWE universe, which is sort of like a, a challenge that I've never had to try to work through before. But um, it was fun, man. Yeah, was there? I mean, you might not be able to tell us this, but I mean, how much of the uh, you said you're talking about rehearsals? Like, how much of that pre pre show stuff was was uh, you know like did, did, were, were your were your picks fed to oh, you? Was there was there like were you were you kayfaving no, us on the panel? No, no, no. I, I, when I say rehearsals, I just mean we went there and went through it. Um, everything was legit. That was complete. I, that was like I not said one word, and like all my picks on matches. That's why sometimes we all picked the same person, and sometimes we didn't. You know, there was no rhyme or reason to that. It was just everything I felt. Um, I mean, like you know, I, I I basically acted like a huge fan of all the people that you've heard me be a fan of forever. Like Nikki Bella, I mean, like I was very true to who I was. So you go out and you run through it. They just wanted to get me comfortable with how it works. But no, I was um, very pleased with like how I got to operate and the way they treated me. It was that was all legit. 
Last last question about just the behind the scenes stuff. As soon as I as soon as you popped up on screen, I was sitting there with with your super agent Brian Dipperstein, and the first thing I said was he wore a Hulk Hogan shirt to this show, and they took it off him and put an American Alpha shirt on. Is that true or not? <laughs> it is not true. What happened was the truth was it was a decision by me um, and someone I was working with to just start out. You know. Not, not. Don't reveal the whole kit and caboodle the first day. Like, how do you do? I think as anyone can imagine, if you got a chance at WWE, you've been dreaming of it forever. You wanna, you wanna do your thing, but you don't wanna try to completely rock the boat. So I just thought, what would be a shirt that could work? So I went over like the merch area and just looked through, and I was wearing blue, and I actually loved that American Alpha shirt, and that's what I did. Wow. Well. But yes, there were there were there were other shirts in the bag. There were. <laughs> That's really great. Well, you looked great. The show, I mean, the pre-show was, I'm a, I'm a fan of the WWE doing the pre-shows in general, but you definitely gave it more of a, more of a, like a real sports panel vibe. It just seemed like, you know, you're, you're one more, one more like, you know, trained talker on there really changed the dynamic a little bit. And I thought it was good. Were you scared? Were you scared of Daniel Bryan? I know we've interviewed him before. You've interviewed him more than me, but like he, his personality is, has uh, sort of exploded over the past few months. Was it weird sitting next to him no, not he, knowing what he's going to say? Yeah. Like that was, then I told him right when I sat down, I was like, dude, I didn't know you were going to be so good at this. Like, where did this come from? And then sort of the funny thing is, is you sit around during the show and, you know, obviously before we go live, we come out maybe five minutes before. And so you're sitting in a wrestling, in a, in a WWE arena with, with Daniel Bryan. The crowd obviously just starts chanting, yes, yes, yes. And Daniel Bryan over and over and over again. And I'm like, what do you, I don't even know what you do. Like he just sort of keeps waving and then, you know, like settles in. But I'll tell you that the, the person who I am like most respectful of and such a fan of now is, is Renee. Like, Renee is such a pro, dude. She is so good. And I, I told her, I, I never realized that she sort of has a Michelle Beadle, real Michelle Beadle quality of, like, being able to sort of just comfortably navigate a show and lead in a way where she totally is amazing as a traffic cop, but also adds her own personality and does it in a way that's, like, super relaxed. She's awesome and, like, straight up took me under her wing from – uh, when I saw her last week in Stanford, she's literally just like taken me under her wing and, and been awesome. And it's funny to be under her wing considering I'm six years older than her, but you get the idea. Well, yeah, she's she's uh, she's in the biz, you know. Maybe maybe someday, maybe someday you'll be able to uh, sit next to her in the in the play by play booth or something. Um, listen. Oh you, wow! Now you're now you're talking. Now you're talking about making history. That's what you're talking about, fast man. Listen, listen. I mean, there would there be nothing that would make me happier. Um, uh, have you read the reviews of your work on on uh, on the internet, or, or are you are you just like keeping keep, just like keeping your ears and eyes shut? As you may or may not know, I have been so involved in other sort of um, beef in my other career that I really haven't gotten to see anything. And like, I know I killed it, so I was just walked out. Like that was good. Like I, I knew it was good. I knew it was, dude. Road Dog came up to me and was like, "That was awesome." And I was like, "All right, I'm done." Like, what is there to? What? Who am I gonna? Who am I gonna worry about? What internet person am I gonna worry about? Yeah. But what are they saying? How did I do? Uh, you know, I mean, the the word came out that uh, that Jerry Lawler and Lita, or uh, who knows if this is true, but but that Jerry Lawler and Lita probably won't be working that pre-show thing anymore. And then I didn't read a lot yeah, of direct I read, reviews. I read that. I read that. I don't think that has anything. Uh, I. 
don't think that has one thing to do with another. If if that's true, Honestly, I yeah, no, I only uh, I only mention it. I only mention it because I didn't look for comments on you. I usually stay away from that stuff because it makes me nostalgic for our time together. There's either there's always the people who are just like talking about it when we were together, and then like comparing our shows, and it's just even if it's positive for both of us, it's sort of sad, you know. It's like whatever, but um, <laughs> but I stumbled into some of the commentary on that on on the uh, the Lita Lawler thread. And um, yeah, I thought. I mean, I think it was. I think it was mostly good. I don't think nobody had anything bad to say about you that wasn't just I hate Peter Rosenberg from the beginning or whatever. So you know, the, forget those people. Yeah, um, right. And that's why I got. I got mostly like every. I, I, I did the first day when I was like, sitting around watching the show. I did search my name, and most of it was all good. My favorite thing was Lance Storm tweeting, "Who the hell is this bald white guy?" We, we yeah, I uh, Dip and I were looking at that during the show. It was it that was that was the highlight of my night, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Lance- I hear guys, the fact that the fact that you actually cared enough about my appearance to go be social and watch TLC, I that was very flattering. Well, I mean, listen, I, the the fact that you cared enough about it to uh, to immediately forget it and then start a beef with uh, with with Trevor Noah and Charlemagne really means shows a lot about your commitment to WWE. Um, I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> You're right. How many how many current things do I have going on with different people? I really am taking this being a WWE superstar very seriously. Yeah, um, yeah. If you were actually a WWE superstar, I think you'd be fired for all that right now. But that's okay. The um, so last before I let you go, man. Um, did you have do you have any any favorite uh, favorite matches from TLC or any favorite spots you wanna you wanna talk about? Anything that surprised you? Well, let's first of all start here by saying, is it a coincidence that the first night that I was uh, with the WWE, I thought it was a, an amazing pay-per-view? And, like, I'm not just saying that because I was there, but, like, I think from everyone I've talked to, it was sort of one of the best non-Big Four pay-per-views in such a long time. I was, it was awesome. Um, I think... The main event, the main event was great, and um, and Dolph and uh, the Dolph Miz match was was great. Um, I, I but I enjoyed truthfully. I didn't get to watch a lot of uh, Kalisto uh, Baron Corbin yet, but truthfully, I enjoyed everything. And you know me, I went out in the arena to watch um, Nikki Carmella, and I don't know that I've ever heard a crowd as like vocal during a Nikki Bella match as that one. I thought that was pretty awesome too. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know, it, it's not not news for me to say like the, the, what SmackDown's really excelled at since the brand split is is the is you know on SmackDown itself the two hours are really well constructed and there's like a sort of like narrative arc throughout the show that's really coherent in a way that a three hour Raw is just too sprawling to be but. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you when you break down TLC, when you get into the details, it it, all, it diminishes the card. When you but when you're there watching it, like even the lesser matches, the Wyatt family winning, it, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. Nikki Bella versus Carmella, same thing. Corbin versus Kalisto was actually really was like I mean I don't know if I'd call it a great match, but it's it was about ten times better than it had any right to be. Um, but just the the whole the overall show, it just felt like I I, I went over to like you said that like we said to dips. I mean I needed to, I I had to leave. I had dinner plans. Um, so I was planning on watching just the first hour, and then I just got caught up and watched the whole thing. I mean, it was it was just a really good show. Uh, the, it, you know, it's not exactly right to say top to bottom, but like the entire package of the show, I thought was just really amazing. Yeah, that, that, that's how I that's how I came away feeling, which was like, whoa, that was a. I was kind of like it was almost difficult because I was wa- kind of walking around and watching it in different places throughout the night, and I kind of was like, man, I wish I just had a good seat for this show because it was. 
I was uh, I was a little taken aback by how good it was. And I will tell you what, I think it continues to add to sort of the pressure on Raw to keep pace with SmackDown. Like, we'll see how Roadblock goes. I'll be impressed if Roadblock's able to be as good as that show was. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really true. And, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, especially at this time of the year when we're just getting into nosedive into Royal Rumble and then WrestleMania time. Um it, the, you know, it, it's it, they Raw has a Raw has a lot to keep up with. I mean, Raw Raw on Monday was I mean this week was was really really good. There, the, the the level of wrestling and and the kind of storytelling over the past few weeks has been really interesting. Um, but I mean, TLC was TLC was a real accomplishment, and uh, you know I think that the two people we have to thank the most are James Ellsworth and and Peter Rosenberg. So uh, you know you, you're thank you the, thank you. Um, you know, everybody always says that AJ Styles can carry anybody to a to a five star match, but uh, but you know, I had no idea that you were the, that you were the AJ Styles of the announce table. So um, I was about to say you, you didn't you didn't know that Peter Rosenberg could carry the company to a five star pay per view, and that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm glad that you had a good time. I'm glad that you got to do it, man. I mean, it was it was really cool to see you, and 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 that they uh, you know that they let you be you. That's uh. That's 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 pretty cool, man. You're 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 shooting on yeah, uh, on well, the WWE network. Well, hopefully they won't immediately want to not talk to me after doing your podcast. But uh, I I'm very I'm just I'm thrilled that I did it, and hopefully there's more to come. And if there's not, I'll still feel like I lived a dream, as corny as that is. And uh, also, Alexa and I will be in LA in January. So we uh, should do a double date with you in the valet. Hey, listen, I would love to do that. And for all the uh, LA-based stalkers who are listening to this, we'll, we'll we'll wave to you as we as you like look at us through the window. And um, we will likely be a Katsuya in LA Live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not hard to find us. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, uh, well, thanks for calling in. It's it's always good to talk to you, but especially now that you're famous, it's good to know you're not too you're not too important for your old friends. Oh no! I still have all I still have all the world for every pecker-headed humanoid out there. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good day. Later, bud. Big thanks to Peter Rosenberg for coming on the show. Now a word from our sponsor. As the official sound of the NFL, Bose gets players closer to their peak performance and gets you closer to them. How? With powerful products like their Quiet Comfort 35 wireless headphones. I have a pair of these myself and can confidently say that these are Bose's best headphones ever. No noise, no wires, just your music and you. For more information, visit Bose.com. All right. Thanks again to my best friend, Peter Rosenberg, for coming on the show. I'm now sitting here with my uh, second best friend, Latoya Ferguson. Um, It's been a huge week in wrestling. I tried to break. Okay, so so we had TLC on Sunday. We're going to call this episode of The Masked Man Show uh, TRW. We're going to do TLC, relationships, and work rate. I think the three biggest, the three the, the three uh, banners that I could sort of group everything, all this stuff that's happened this week under. Um, first of all, Toya, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Good. I know you had a crazy morning. Yeah. My, my dog is sick. Not my little brother. My wow. dog. Dogs are, that's, dogs are scary. Dog sickness is scary, too. <laughs> um, but... Uh, we're here for a very important reason, which is to break down the TLC card off the top. Um, you were saying right before we went live this, how, that you thought it was one of the best TLCs that you can remember. Uh, yeah. The thing about uh, TLC, which I was talking about a lot in my reviews leading up to it, was how uh, inherently it's not the best pay-per-view because you can get a great TLC match, you can get a great ladder match, but then you have to shoe in horn things like a chairs match where only chairs are legal, which is just a ridiculous concept. The stairs match, of course, the infamous stairs match. And... 
it's just building matches around a gimmick pay-per-view as opposed to building a pay-per-view around like the matches and the feuds. I think uh, the build-up uh, SmackDown in general has been pretty good overall with pay-per-view build-up, but I think here it was probably the best TLC pay-per-view from top to bottom just in terms of story, in terms of matches. They're all like decent to great matches, I think, even the pre-show match. Yeah, I, I agree. I said this to Rosenberg uh, right before you came on, but it, I mean, what 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 SmackDown's been good at overall is just sort of like designing the shape of an episode, you know, and really making it seem like a coherent story. Mm-hmm. And this pay-per-view, I think, was the best example yet of that, that it felt like everything was the right size, the right shape, everything sort of combined into a great show. And actually breaking down we're not going to break down every match, but when you do break it down, it sort of detracts from the how great the show was because it doesn't matter if, you know, Kalisto Corbin, which was a very good match, it, I mean, for what it was, it doesn't matter that it wasn't a five-star match. It it contributed to this really cool yeah, show. And it served a purpose for the story, which they continue to tell on Talking Smack afterwards. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point, to, like, tell the story properly. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I agree with your with your take on TLC in general. There's no other, I mean, man, I don't know if there's no other. There's very few other pay-per-view concepts that sort of force you into that snarky, bad fan mode where you're just watching matches saying, why don't they use the chair for this? Or, like, why did he put down his weapon? Or mm-hmm. the, the tweets that I always get, which are like, is there any difference between... You know, a no holds barred match and a TLC match, or you know what? I, like, there's there's all these like just silly questions that pop into your head, and it's fun to ask them at the time. And then, but I, tr- you know, you try to be a little bit more upbeat about. about yeah, if they're doing their job well, then you can suspend your disbelief for how ridiculous some of these matches can get. And I think that TLC, the pay per view, did it very well. Yeah, the the the, the Insta reviews were all were all talking about the the title match or the two the two big title matches the world championship match or yeah the the world title match and the IC title match um, the SmackDown women's title match I thought was also really good I, I think if we take a step back and just look at it in in broad strokes um, this was the night of the heels on SmackDown it really was I mean every everybody I mean with the exception of Nikki right uh, mm-hmm. was I mean, and discounting the pre-show, no offense, it was all heels, I believe, and uh, coming out on top. And I'm, I could not be more excited for the, our new tag team champs, mm-hmm. Bray and Randy, as I because they're my good friends, I can call them Bray and Randy. <laughs> I couldn't be more excited for Alexa Bliss getting a little run with the belt uh, or a big run, who knows, and um, and keeping the belt on AJ. Um, it seems like a no-brainer, but you know. yeah, I mean, we were. I was. I was watching with some guys, uh, watching the show with some guys at at, uh, at my buddy Brian Dipperstein's apartment, and we kept on trying to like map out the way forward. It really just seemed like that you had that unless Ambrose and AJ Styles is going to be a feud through WrestleMania, then this was the point where you had to pivot away from this feud. Exactly. Um, but and I think they did it in the best possible way. And I don't know if you know. I, I don't know what James Ellsworth's role is going to be going forward. But you know, I've gotten to the point. Tell me your thoughts on this. I've gotten to the point where people who like talk shit about James Ellsworth, I just don't even have any time for it. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they're not seeing the forest for the trees. Basically, I do think this was the perfect time for Ellsworth to turn because well, it's not even really a turn as it's just like his headedness but as I've been saying is that the longer this goes the more Dean's like I'm, I'm really a cool guy like shots at Ellsworth like they kind of kill him in his promos because he'll be like on fire in his promos and the crowd will be with him and then he'll like make a jab at Ellsworth or be like hey do my errands for me and then it will lose them yeah so Ellsworth had to do something so like 
Dean could be fully loved. Yeah. Although, I mean, there have been a lot of people use. I mean, if you want to turn Dean Ambrose, you know, attacking somebody like James Ellsworth might be the way. I, I kind of I came to this realization where it was the night of the heels at TLC. And yet, I don't know that there's anybody at the top of, in the top half of the card that I wouldn't rather be a heel. I mean, I, Ambrose would be better off play, playing heel, I think, in a, in a general way. Uh, everybody was saying Dolph Ziggler like, needs to turn. an internet fan of you. I know, I'm, not, I'm not saying that the show should yeah. be all heels. I just think everybody on this roster would be better off working heel right now. I mean, they're just everybody, all the baby faces, yeah, with Ellsworth Ziggler, included, yeah. are at the moment where they needed a turn. With Ziggler, I feel like he neither needs to turn heel, which I was saying early on when like the SmackDown drafts, like when they first started, and sure. it's like, oh, it looked, he was going to turn heel. Or just put him in a tag team at this point. Yeah. Put him in like a, with a good tag team partner, obviously. That makes sense. I, but, said, I said last week, just put him with with Baron Corbin and just totally re, like rerun the Shawn Michaels diesel storylines of the 90s you know what mm-hmm. i mean just like they could they'd both be better off that way um but yeah i mean i thought it was uh i, I thought it, i thought it was a really good show and you talked about talking smack which was um not i mean it's never there's it's always a great product product but the way that they just brought Ellsworth right out to explain himself it's like it's an integral part of the storytelling because he needed to explain himself you don't want to it's you want to build anticipation, but you don't want the logical like holes to be there for the entire week or the few days to get to the next show. Well, it's especially important for SmackDown because mm-hmm. you have two days to wait. You can't yeah. just wait the 24 hours, the 20 hours, whatever, mm-hmm. until until the Raw cold open to explain. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and, and honestly, like the, the explanation he gave was perfect. Um, mm-hmm. With two days of internet theorizing, there probably would have been some better ideas or something. People, I mean, the, the reason why wrestling fans are so often disappointed, as I've written and said before, is that fantasy booking, uh, you have to like pick sides, right? You, you imagine a thing and you're like, that's what I want to happen. If it doesn't happen, you just say, like, why did they mess up, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to circle back around to this a little bit because I think this has been an incredible uh, week for, for work rate in, in general terms, and we're going to hit that at the end. But um, So AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, uh, Miz and Dolph, both really high-quality matches. Um, hard, I mean, AJ Styles and Dean, to have a match – end the way that it ended and to not feel like you got ripped off uh, says a lot about how good the match was. But we'll, again, we'll come back around to that. But how do you feel about Alexa as champ? Are you... Oh, I, I love Alexa Bliss. My uh, one problem in, just in general with the feud was that uh, I feel like obviously she's still kind of green, but I think that she has a work ethic that would make it a good title, like... Uh, championship reign. Yeah. It's just I worried because she does need to be slightly carried in matches still, but yeah. I love Alexa Bliss. It's true that she's green, but I'll say this for her, green is much better than that mahogany color that she used to be when she was a professional bodybuilder, and if you haven't, Google, <laughs> actually don't Google those don't images it. because it'll ruin your impression of Alexa Bliss forever. Um, another interesting thing, that you, I mean, we saw some of this on, on Sunday, but a lot on Tuesday is that I feel like with Bray and, and Orton at the top of the tag team division, we're, the, the, the rest of the tag division is getting a little chance for a reboot. The Ascension is obviously kind of being uh, slightly tweaked in their presentation. Um, you know, I, I just think that I mean, the hype rows are, seem like they're getting a look. And, and, you know, I think American Alpha is they're really doing a very low-key sort of Daniel Bryan-y storyline with mm-hmm. them that, like, by the time that they actually take the belts off Orton and Wyatt, it's going to mean a whole lot. Exactly. Um, and And... As, as excited as I think everybody listening to this probably was for them to just, you know, shoot them right to the top of the division when it's they did for, the brand split. It's for the best that yeah. they, they're not. 
oh, this it's it's just so much better. And it's, I, if they're I, off TV for a week, it's fine. It's just it's so much better this way. I understand people's frustrations that uh, maybe they're not as over as they were in NXT, but you do. It's one of those things where you don't want them to just be like, here, you should like these guys, and now they're at the top. Like, let it build. Yeah, it's gonna be worth it. It's one of those instances where it, where the dream is actually being fulfilled that they are elevating the titles and elevating themselves at the same time, and it's and it's really it's sadly unusual that that actually you know comes to pass. Yeah, um, I like your shirt, by the way. Where, Thank where, you. The, you're wearing, it's a map of the United States with with all the wrestlers from different states' names as the shape of the state. Yes, sir. That's really great. I'm glad that Eric Bischoff got his own state. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. I said there were two other things we want to talk about. Work rate we'll get to for the week. But before that, relationships. I know that's kind of a weird subject for wrestling. <laughs> that's a great transition. And listen, uh, we talk about relationships on this show. Normally they have to do with like Paige and Alberto Del Rio's, you know, Latin American uh, misadventures. But um, this was... A little bit of a, a little bit of a callback to the some of the cool parts of the Attitude Era, or just even every era past. Um, before we get into this, just because I mentioned her name, Paige's Paige's downfall seems to be the subject of Total Divas right now, judging only by the commercials. I'm excited to watch tonight's episode. That's for sure. Do you do you think if you had to guess, there's one or the other that one this is all a work to put for 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 the sake of getting Total Divas over that all of the page disappearing and stuff, or two, they're WWE. It's it's only Total Divas, like it's all real, and WWE's just like not releasing Page for the sake of Total Divas. I have an answer, but I should do it off mic. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, this is sorry, guys. You're just not. You're not going to get the real answer. I a little bit. It, it seems like a weird thing to to build a reality show around. But who am I to criticize the wonders of Total Divas? Um, listen. Let's start. Let's talk about Rusev and Enzo. I think I don't know about you. The from the moment this storyline started on Monday Night Raw, on this past Monday, from the first sequence, I knew exactly what was going to happen, and I was. Yeah. But I was a hundred percent in for it, and they exceeded my expectations. It's funny because I was actually just having that converse, like this conversation with my mother before we watched the Raw, actually, which is about how one of the things we really miss about WWE, and uh, they've been bringing it back these past couple weeks, is how like they acknowledge that the rest of the world exists outside of it. It's not so uh, insular. Yes. So like the things like the Cesaro, Sheamus, Bar Brawl, like, yeah. little little things like that. Love that. Uh, my problem with the Rusev Enzo Lana thing is the usual problem with a lot of these Rusev Lana anyone things, where it's a bunch of disrespecting a man and his wife, and you know some slut shaming. Right. So, well, self slut shaming, but from a writer's perspective, yeah. you're right. Um, no, I totally agree. To take your first point, my favorite part was I think it was during the Jericho Reigns match when Michael Cole had to do this like this like brief aside to explain everything that was going on. And he was like, this match is a result of Kevin Owens doing this thing at the beginning of the show, and then there was a match between the big show and Roman Reigns, and then, you know, there then Sami Zayn, and it was like suddenly the entire raw roster mattered for, like in one moment, you know? And it, but like which is a different thing than what you're saying, but I think in a broader sense when the world matters, both in terms of the entire product and the world mm-hmm. outside the arena, I think it really helps. Mm-hmm. It does have that that ring of, mm-hmm. of reality to it in just the sense of, like, if you really don't like somebody, 
sometimes you're going to want to beat them up in the ring, but sometimes you might just want to like beat them up out back, you know. Yeah. And that's like you know, I I grew up with you know watching. You know the four horsemen lure Dusty Rhodes to parking lots way off. You know just mm. it, just to just to beat him up. Yeah, and this had like nice little touches, like the moment of realization when Cass gets what happens and he asks someone for a phone. Yeah. Apparently he remembers Enzo's phone number, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, my favorite moment was was Rusev coming out and for some reason looking directly at the camera before he turned to Enzo Amore <laughs> when they were in the in the hotel room. But yeah, I think that was really great and. Having a Rusev versus Enzo and Cass angle in a month where they don't have, neither of them has anything to do is like the best possible use. Of it. it feels like what they would have done in Ring of Honor three years ago or something, where it's just who do we have left? All right, let's figure out a way to put them together. And also like a thing they would have done in WWE in the '90s. Like it's just it's there's not mm-hmm. WCW actually maybe even more so. Um, it's just interesting. Yeah, they just need to keep the good parts of the storyline. Yeah, it keeps it keeps it away from feeling like you know exactly how it's going to end the moment it starts because mm-hmm. this isn't just Enzo and Cass is against another tag team and we know the trajectories they're both on and you just do the math, um, and that's why in general why these interpersonal relationships are more interesting. Now we talked earlier about Ambrose and Ellsworth and we can use this to segue into our work rate discussion, but. I, you know, I mentioned not having time for people who don't love Ellsworth, but I mean, it might just be me. Like, if you grew up just watching WWE, even if you're in your 30s, if you grew up watching WWE, you know, your memories of of the the, the twerps, you know, your memories of Harvey Whippleman or Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart or whatever, are you know, they're not they're not that integral. But like, if you grew up watching territorial wrestling just about anywhere then you grew up watching guys who had no business being in the ring get in there and have their moment to shine or, more importantly, have their moment to get their butt kicked. I mean, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, you know, belt-whipped more Weasley manage- more skinny Weasley managers than just about any wrestler in the history of time. I mean, we look back fondly on everybody praises Andy Kaufman's run as a wrestler. This He was basically James Ellsworth with a louder mouth, you know, and more mm-hmm. more like... Uh, confidence in himself that um, I think there's just something incredibly valuable about as long as you don't as long as you don't put Ellsworth over you know as long as you don't David Arquette him or anything there's such a value in having a clearly underqualified performer um, in the ring to to, to make your wrestlers look more impressive yeah I mean it's just it's so again simple math the only thing I'll say about him in terms of relationships is they signed him because he was so funny looking that the crowd just loved him, yeah. right? He had that it factor. He had, he drew attention. Yeah. The fact that they've been the fact that they got lucky enough that this guy can pull off character wise everything they've asked of him mm-hmm. is incredible. And it's not just staying in the ring looking confused or looking you know like whatever like all of his different looks but the fact that he can pull that he can swing the the uh, talking smack that he can actually like pull that that characterization off there were so many moments on sunday where i thought that he was going to lose the script when daniel bryan was asking him questions and there, he and was he his acting is top notch it's really crazy right i mean it's it's just amazing that he that he can put over um I mean, he can he can he can put over these feuds as well as, he, as people who've been doing this forever, and he's been doing it for a long time. But obviously, not on just, uh, yeah, not his, in front of big cameras. His tunnel vision uh, on Talking Smack, just as both Renee and Brian were like, "What what did you do?" He's Dan- like, I, "I beat I beat him three times before. I can beat him again." Daniel Bryan's whatever the the work shooty stuff he's been doing since the beginning of Talking Smack. The fact that it's all sort of paying off 
in his just total indignation towards Ellsworth. See, this is it's the down the downside, quote unquote, of being the land of opportunity because Ellsworth got all these opportunities, and now look at this inflated like uh, ego, basically. Oh, God, it's it's really good. Um, now, I don't think James Ellsworth is ever going to be. Um, you know, anyone that we consider a top 10 work rate guy, but uh, who knows? We haven't really seen him at his full potential yet. And you, you know, you put him out there on the road, you give him some opportunities. I learned a few weeks ago he's younger than me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you know, he's got a long career ahead of him then. That's, that's, that's great for all of us. Um, but I mentioned before that when you had him knock over that, that ladder at the end of FTLC, no one was disappointed. And it's not just, well, first of all, the, I was pred- predicting an Undertaker appearance. I don't. I don't have any critique of TLC. I think that they booked that show as well as they could have possibly booked it. But my but my opinion last week, which I'll you know, I don't think I was wrong, was that TLC is the fact that the SmackDown brand got the TLC pay per view. This is going to be one of the the most sets of eyes on SmackDown. Um, it probably in a long time until we you know on a smackdown specific show if you want to just you know make a big deal of it if you want to blow it out just have the undertaker show up you know or john cena show up you know i do i thought they were going to use this as an opportunity to sort of put more eyes on tuesday night but the show but they they, they did took another tack which was just we're the best work rate this is going to be the best work rate show of the year and they they almost pulled it off um the main event was insane, insane in, in the best way possible. Um, Ambrose was Ambrose deserves a bunch of credit for ever for so many cool things happened in that match and it, the plotting of the match, the pacing of the match. There are you know people will people you know will always have a little bit have a couple of issues with his work rate. It's not that I mean he's which it's unfortunate too because if you're going against AJ Styles, it's kind of hard to. Keep up well, in that level, but the thing is, he can keep yeah. up. I think that he the can only keep up, but like people, are of course, going to be looking at AJ Styles because he's AJ Styles. I think, yeah, I think that Ambrose, to his credit, keeps up. I mean, is is at his best when he's against someone who's really good. His mm-hmm. matches against Rollins have been good, and you know, AJ even better. Um, that that flip, Pat, what with the the power bomb onto the six chairs that they did in the ring or, or whatever that was. Was it the, uh, Orange Crush? Is that what it's called? Is that what it is? I think so. I'll give that to you. The, but like, that was just, you know, that was that was Dean executing a perfect move. AJ, AJ is like the flippiest guy in WWE, but if you go back and watch that, like, there's very little that AJ could have possibly done to even help that move go yeah. off. Except know how to position his body mm-hmm. while he's being thrown by Dean Ambrose. And just cross his fingers. It's like, yeah, it's that little flip out thing. But the, but, you know, I mean, there were so many cool moments in that match. Um, I don't even, I, I, I don't even, I mean, this, the stuff outside the ring, jumping off of a, ta- a, a ladder that's on a table is a cool spot, one, but also incredibly difficult. Like, I, I was just sure he was going to somehow kick it backwards and fall on his face. There was, there, there were just so many cool moments. Did you have any anything stand out to you? I, I, I really just loved the entire match. Uh, I love uh, the people who pointed out that this is the second TLC ladder match main event where it ended with like uh, fuckery that involved an AJ because you had the Ziggler <laughs> Cena one that involved uh, AJ Lee pulling the ladder pushing spot on Cena. Oh, that's really great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the the ending was good. The what happened in the match? I keep coming back to it. it was so great. AJ's that four fifty springboard that he did outside the ring. Yeah, and or in, out to, from inside to yeah, outside the and ring. Yeah, and like, like just 
if you were a second off, he would have like just broke his head, basically. Oh yeah, like he like he scorpioned himself, but in like a totally fine way. Yeah. And they were, they the managed... replay, I was like that. That made me feel safe about what, what just happened because I, I mean, was so worried. Nobody's a safer worker for what he does. Uh, it's like the pound for pound safest worker. The flip for <laughs> flip for flip. Oh, AJ God. Styles is the safest worker in professional wrestling. Get that T-shirt. And yeah, the, just the ending and then the cut to Talking Smack and you have Renee and Brian both be like, what just happened? Yeah. Such such a good image. Um, much better than Tuesday when they when they open Talking Smack, try, pretending to react, like, pretending to shoot react to a, to a uh, Bray Wyatt video promo. Like, as if that something bad had happened in the production truck to allow that? You know? Well, no, it wasn't, wasn't not supposed to be like a video promo. Wasn't it that they had taken over and then they, like, they teleported or whatever, and then they were showing up? Sure, yeah, but I mean, but <laughs> yeah. that, that was just, you know, I like I like my talking smack to be a little bit more legit. Also... I like my talking smack to be live, also. Yeah, That's oh, well. I'm... Talking about guys who are, you know, are, were already adjusted to, let's jump back to, let's jump back to Raw. Um, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. That match on Monday was one of my favorite matches I've ever seen him have. Am I crazy? I mean, I. I mean, just given the constraints, I, like, I wouldn't think I like have any one of their matches where I hate. I think it was it was very very good. Um, they just went all out. Like they were the way that they were doing that match. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were. I they had me believing mm-hmm. in that Sami Zayn was going to win I, on, only because of the degree to which mm-hmm. they were just pulling out all the stops. And I think at this point they should whenever those two go against each other they should always go all out because they have a lot of tension. Yeah. Some some like matchups where even if they haven't wrestled in a while like they should always just like go at it like they this is the pay-per-view and they're trying to kill each other. Yeah, they were. It was. It was just such a good match. Like I only. I did only watch it live. I but I, I will go back and rewatch it this week because it was just so good. Um, they both got all their spots in, and and the finish was somehow just so perfect that it was not. I mean that they let Owens win sort of just out of nowhere, but with the big power bomb, it put over his move. <laughs> but it also it, it we didn't have to go through. I mean, it, but it didn't feel like a false finish. It didn't feel bad. It just felt like Sami Zayn was right there on the cusp. But Kevin Owens is always able just to end a match. You know, yeah. he's, he's able to get the knockout. I I loved that match. Like there was no, like that was so good. Um, you know. Seth Rollins versus The Big Show wasn't a four star or a five star work rate match, but it was great to see just how amazing Big Show looks Skinny and how fast, yeah, and how fast he is. Like I felt just happy to see him for the first time in a long time. Honestly, I, I agree. And I, and and listen, it wouldn't be a Big Show match without a heel turn and a face <laughs> turn within within a five minute span. It was like it was a heel turn and a face turn and then another face turn because so Kevin announces him. And he's coming to beat up Seth, but he's like high fiving everyone. So there's your face turn, and it's like just another face turn by him ditching the match. Yeah, so strange, uh, but but perfect. I mean, I, what a good that was a that was the right use of of the Big Show. Um, and then uh, Roman Reigns, Chris Jericho. There's there's a lot of there was a lot of good stuff. Roman Reigns, Chris Jericho. I really enjoyed too. I feel like that. I don't think we need another month of of Rollins Owens, but like. I wouldn't. Reigns and Jericho had good chemistry, and I I really enjoyed you know seeing them work together. I enjoyed the match. I wish Jericho could have won because they were playing up the fact he never won the U.S. title, and also Roman definitely doesn't need the the belt because. Well, that was okay. So for the second time, I agree. For the second time in the night, they had me believing because mm-hmm. you know halfway Which through. Which is always good, but sometimes you should follow through with what people believe. Yes, I I completely agree. Listen, I mean Jericho did so much good for him. I mean every time he comes on camera, he gets. He gets significantly better because he's just that good. But 
he did a lot of we, they did a lot of good for Jericho by just making him look strong in the match against Roman Reigns. You know, Roman Reigns is for better or worse sort of um, you know, the 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 hero by which all else, all others are judged right now. If you can look good against Roman Reigns, it means that WWE has a lot of confidence in you or whatever. It means you can um, lose to Roman Reigns some more. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they had. But halfway through, I was just like, oh, of course they're gonna make the Jericho Rollins match for the U.S. title. Like this is gonna be. And when when Owens came out, I was even more sure of it. Um, mm-hmm. But then they, you know, they flipped the script. And listen, I'm not mad about it. Going into WrestleMania season, we probably have too many. Either every match is gonna be for a title. Or there's going to be some title matches that are just sort of left off, or we're going to do an IC versus Intercontinental match. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's not enough. There's well, there would be if that's all it were, but there's barely enough room for all these titles. So to have two titles in a match at Roadblock does not bother me either. You know, I mean, you got sometimes that's the way the that's that's the way the storyline crumbles, I guess. I mean, I guess my problem is, uh, I think we talked about this before, where it was pretty much you had Rusev, who was a dominant U.S. champion who wore it with pride, and you have Roman, who was basically like, oh, yeah, I have this title. Let me hold it like the cool kids holding a backpack at school. Yeah. No, that's true. But also, I don't think it really does anything. And it's really, like, the fourth thought in this entire storyline. I don't know that it does anything for Rollins-Jericho to put the mid-card title on there. It it might only, like, diminish it, though. You know? I mean, to have... Because Rollins and Jericho were supposed to be, like, your number three and four guys on the roster. If there's a way to get Rollins the belt, then you have Jericho kind of chasing after it, because he has... Again, he's never had it, so... Yeah, no, that's a good gimmick for Jericho. I just don't know if that's... I feel like the match is bigger than an IC title Mm -hmm. match, or than than a U.S. title match on its own. Well, maybe you should make the U.S. title bigger. Well, maybe putting it on the great <laughs> Roman Reigns is the way to do that. You say these things to upset me, don't you? Yeah, I do, I do. Um, the, the tag team match was, wasn't, a, wasn't a giant work rate spectacular, but I, I really enjoyed that, too. At some point, are we... Are your expectations for the triple threat tag team match high at all? I mean, do you, would you... What, is the match before or after the record? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have my tracker I'm, on. I'm like, just get, please get past the record already. I'm, I'm ready for it to be over. You're ready, you're ready for them to have a little bit of mobility? I'm ready to the, never uh, hear about demolition ever again. Well, that's, I don't know if I can... I think you're saying that just to make I, me mad at this I, point. I'm not anti-demolition. I'm anti-WWE doing this because demolition's suing them. Yeah. Um... Yes, I kind of wish they made a bigger deal of it because that's my favorite storyline going on in WWE right now. They might as well, yeah, they might as well just be like, "Hey, these guys are suing us, so um, just get like super reality era." Listen, uh, we got to run out of here. Um, there's the one thing we didn't talk about is the uh, the ladder match, which I'm I'm glad that we're ending on it now. You can make a case that the last Miz Ziggler pay per view match was their best, mm. but. This ladder match was just really, really well done. I mean, I thought that it was, uh, I mean, I I think for, you know, there's something perfect about the IC title and the ladder match. They, they go hand in hand. Um, and you knew that Dolph and Miz were going to make each other look good. Uh, it, it's clear that they both are capable of doing it and are very invested in doing it. Um, but... I, I'd say, you know, maybe I'm just too too high on it, although it's several days later. This match fully lived up to my expectations. What did, what did you think? I, I agree, and uh, I pointed out while watching it, but I love how Miz is just at this... In this match, he's definitely... He's just wrestling like Daniel Bryan. Like, he wrestled that match how Daniel Bryan would have. Mm-hmm. He was trying to basically cut off Ziggler's leg, and it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, some something happened. I was watching... The, the match was good, and I, I mean, the, that match was great. His match on against uh, Ambrose 
on Tuesday, I thought was really fun too. And yeah. there was a, I was watching him when he had the figure four in that match. I was just like, wait, when did the Miz learn how to do the figure four? But I, I realize I haven't like made a joke about it to myself in a while. But he's like really figured it out. Yeah. It looks really good. Um, also, big credit to to Miz and Ambrose for two guys who justifiably get some shit about their their ring styles being a little bit cartoony. Mm-hmm. Like they work really well together. I mean, maybe that should be maybe I should have expected that, but whatever. Um, I really enjoyed that match. But the latter match, you're right. Um, the Miz is an incredibly smart guy. I mean, if you've ever met him and talked to him, like it's clear that he. Oh, he's one of your friends. Yeah, he's one of my dear friends. Um, <laughs> No, but if you, I mean, he's like, he's, he, he gets it, you know? I mean, he's, he's a fan like us and he's, and, and, you know, he had, he's had a really weird shape to his career, but, uh, but yeah, he's a smart guy and he, and he, you're right. He wrestled, he wrestled like Daniel Bryan. I wouldn't have thought to say that, but that's, but that's exactly right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, when they were setting up the, whenever they set up the two ladders side by side, you Mm -hmm. know that there's a spot coming. Yeah. I was not expecting that the whole setup to be for just a, crotch kick <laughs> but I thought that was just sort of great on its own too I love it and it was well within the rules yeah exactly no Maurice helping or anything really we gotta get out of here but really quickly we have the Royal Rumble coming up before too long there's no more Smackdown shows before the Rumble right yeah which is actually pretty good because so, I was like why Why is there another pay-per-view so quickly so we're gonna have Amber, I mean we're gonna have AJ versus somebody at the Rumble mm-hmm. do we have any idea who that's gonna be yet we don't I don't know. I feel like I, I know technically we heel heel, but like AJ gets cheered just like regardless. Baron Corbin, honestly, it's not like a full time main event stay, but it's like a good test. Um, I just googled Royal Rumble rumors, and I and I recommend that, that everybody does this just to see how crazy the world is. <laughs> uh, is there is the Goldberg versus John Cena at the Royal Rumble was the first thing that came up. Um, Latoya has her head in her hands now. If that happens, we're gonna look like real idiots. Uh, anyway, the um, you know obviously John Cena and the Undertaker, despite not appearing at TLC, are the two question marks for what happens with the SmackDown roster going forward. Um, you could very easily reboot Styles Cena. You could very easily just have the Undertaker appear and be the opponent for Styles. Um, you could have Goldberg show up. Yeah, I mean, well, you could. I mean, but like, or you could Styles and Cena. I mean, sorry, Cena and Undertaker could both be in the Rumble and set up a match for themselves, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are a lot of there are just a lot of question marks going forward. I think that uh, I think that I am more interested in the in the workings of SmackDown than I thought I would be. You know, I mean, it's it's just sort of wide open, and it could be it's a it's a good. Uh, I think it's a positive for the for the show. Yeah, I'm sure whoever it is, well, it'll be a good story. So, yeah, I I totally agree. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Uh, you have anything you want to plug? Uh, well, you can find me at Twitter, at LaFergs and AV Club and other places, which I can announce in the new year. That's awesome. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. And thanks again to Peter Rosenberg for coming on. Um, thanks to LaToya. And thanks to all you for listening. Have a happy week, humanoids. Humanoids.